Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. We're ready to get back down and get into the very roots of professional football. We're going back to the beginning, the first organized league, and talk about each of the teams in this series. And today, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies professional football team that played 1901-1902. That story and more coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we're going to go back in time 120-some years ago and go to the roots of professional football, one of the first leagues. Well, as a matter of fact, not one of. It is the first time football was organized into a league professionally. Even as early as shortly after the turn of the century, professional football was trying to gain a foothold in American sports. Now, baseball at that time was the king of pro sport in America at the time. And with its success, some felt that the gridiron would be a logical alternative sport to follow the same pattern. The thought by some of the professional baseball franchises was to use their influence, personnel, and branding to make a mark and maybe make some money in football. One early team was the Philadelphia Phillies, owned and financed by baseball's Philadelphia Phillies Baseball Club. The Phillies began their gridiron journey as the Philadelphia Athletic Club in 1901. The group was more widely recognized around eastern Pennsylvania as the Philadelphia Professionals, or the Philadelphia Pros for short. The Pros were the first entirely professionally paid football roster in the Philadelphia area. Penn graduate Wilson Wright was the team's chief financial backer and manager, and one of Wright's first moves was to bring in an experienced football man to help him organize the team. That man was former Penn Quaker captain Blondie Wallace as the person of choice. Captain Wallace assembled a roster of players that he was familiar with, mainly former Penn players and a few veterans of the Western Pennsylvania football clubs, such as the Duquesne Country and Athletic Club and the Latrobe Athletic Association. Wallace was one of the tackles, while McCloskey played the other tackle position. H.A. Bull Davidson played center, Ben, Doc Roller, and Smith were the guards, and Steele and Miriam were the ends. In the backfield was Kennedy at quarterback, with Washburn, a former Brown player, was positioned at halfback, along with the star of this team, Oscar Lang, who was also the coach of Susquehanna University. This 1901 edition of the Philadelphia Athletic Club played a fairly solid schedule against local colleges and even some professional squads when they could. 
the inaugural campaign, started well as the pros blanked the Coshocken Tigers, the Orange Athletic Club, and the Susquehanna University. Their third game was an actual test of who the pros were as a football team when they faced Lafayette College, a team that stood well against Princeton and crushed all their other opponents on their schedule so far that season. The pros dispatched Lafayette 11 rather handily in a 23 to nothing route. The collegians from Easton were said to have not have even been able to threaten the Philadelphia goal line in that game. The next big test of the 1901 Professionals campaign was against a rugged Homestead Library and Athletic Club team held at the Philadelphia National League baseball grounds. Many considered Homestead the top team in Western Pennsylvania in 1901 and possibly the best pro gridiron 11 in the land. The Philadelphia club built this game up as this year's pro football championship. This challenge would end up being a two game stint with Homestead coming out strong in the first matchup and winning 18 to nothing over Philadelphia. An early muff snap of a punt by Doc Roller provided an excellent opportunity for Homestead's Fred Krolis to score an eight yard touchdown a few plays later to give the Western PA team the advantage. Homestead was square again when Captain David Fultz's squad put up two more touchdowns in the second half and played some stout defense to blank Philadelphia. The second meeting was played in Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia showed up much better a week later, falling by a single point in a 6-5 loss to Homestead that next weekend. That single touchdown, worth five points then, was only the one scored against Homestead during the entire 1901 season. So you can see, that was a pretty big game. Well, the escalation of competition between the National League and American Leagues in baseball supremacy saw a few franchises fielding pro football teams. This was especially evident in Philadelphia, as the American League's athletics were vying for the patronage of the fans of the city of brotherly love over the Phillies. Connie Mack ran the athletics baseball team, and after winning the American League pennant in 1902, he stirred the pot of rivalry by taking some of Philadelphia Phillies baseball players and putting them on his roster, even though they were under contract with the Phillies. This fierce competition was really evident when Phillies owner John I. Rogers put together a pro football team. Not to be outdone, athletics owner Ben Scheib looked for a way to one-up them on that. Scheib's strategy of choice was to have Mac get together with Blondie Wallace and build an even better roster of players than his crosstown rival. Scheib and Rogers both wanted to be able to claim a world championship title so they would reflect well on their baseball clubs, but they knew to do so that they had to be organized and play powerful teams from Western Pennsylvania. A prominent figure in Pittsburgh professional football was David Berry, who managed a few successful clubs in the Steel City area. Berry helped build a team to compete in his new leg, formulated mainly of Homestead Library players, as well as some other great players from some of the other teams. The three decided to help formulate a league for pro football to emulate Major League Baseball. Hence, the Phillies were joined what many consider the first attempt to organize pro football, a group of three teams called the National Football League. This league had no connections to the current NFL other than a name only. The other NFL would not come by for another 20 years. The teams in this original NFL were the Phillies, the Athletics, and the Pittsburgh Stars. And on some occasions, some consider maybe there was a New York club 
called the Watertown Red Blacks a part of that. And there were rumors of attempting to building teams in Chicago and New York as well, but those never really reached full fruition. Some of the boys this summer even joined in the excitement. Future Baseball Hall of Famer Rube Waddell played with the Philadelphia A's, while pitcher Christy Mathewson was a standout fullback for the Pittsburgh club. Now we'll talk more about them in later posts, focusing on their teams of the Athletics and the Stars. Since the three main teams were in Pennsylvania, and the Commonwealth had a Sunday blue law at the time, which prevented professional sports on the Holy Day, the league would schedule all games to be played on Saturdays. Well, Scheib went to work, and he hired Albert Kennedy to lead his gridiron club. Kennedy had been the standout quarterback and played with Blondie Wallace the previous year on the Philadelphia Pros team. Ben Roller became the head coach of the team, and the National Football League of Scheib, Rogers, and Barry was scheduled to have each team play each other twice in the best two would vie in a championship game at season's end. This initial version of the NFL was truly a vision of parity. All three teams were fairly evenly matched. The Phillies split with the Pittsburgh Stars by falling 18 to nothing on November 4th and in Philadelphia, only to be victorious in a game over their Pittsburgh rivals by the score of 11 to nothing on November 2nd. The two regular season games scheduled against the A's were a 6-0 loss on October 18, 1902, and then the following Saturday, October 25th, had an outcome of the Phillies coming out on top 17-0. The Phillies and Athletics would play a rubber match for the city championship. After the league's championship, the Athletics bettered their counterparts by the tune of 17-6 on December 6th in this final contest. And the Philadelphia Athletics were Philadelphia's champions of pro football. Now, they were able to put together a schedule of games against other league teams and with some athletic clubs from around the East. The Phillies finished well with an overall record of 8-3, but it was not a bad campaign, except they were only 2-3 in league play and finished third in the standings and thus did not participate in the league title game. But we'll get more to that uh, when we talk about the Philadelphia Athletics and the Pittsburgh Stars, because those are the two teams that did play for it. Well, that was pretty much it for the Phillies football team. As in the coming months, the disputes between the Philadelphia baseball teams, the major leagues of baseball, and the owners Rogers and Shibes all died down, and so did their desires to be competitive on the gridiron. And we're going to get more into this original National Football League, like we said, talk about these other teams and some of these great players from that early 20th century professional football. And we're sure glad that you were able to join us today and talk a little bit about some ancient pro football. Uh, that we'll put those words into it. Even uh, you know, 120 years ago, we're talking, and uh, we talk about football, you know, quite often during the week. We have posts and new posts coming out each and every day on pigskindispatch.com. Hope that you get the opportunity to read some of those. Listen to our podcasts, which are coming out about three to four times every week now. And uh, we have a lot of special things coming up here in this new year. With that all said, until next time, have a great Gridiron Day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. 
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.